What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's show, I want to talk about Gary Trent Jr., bona fide NBA player. I want to talk a little bit about the balanced scoring that the Blazers have discovered over the last month. I want to close the show with some health updates. Got news on Rodney Hood and Mario Hazonia. But let us start giving Gary Trent the praise the second-year guard from Duke University has earned. In a loss against OKC, when the Blazers didn't have any healthy bodies, they let Trent just, they let him go. And he had 30, and he looked really good, and he hit those little step backs with his behind-the-back pull-ups, and he hit threes, and he got himself free off one, two dribble moves. And he, he had he had his a career night in a game where the Blazers got beat up on the road at the end of a road trip when they just didn't have many healthy bodies. I don't know if that is where it started for Trent, but it started this run where he's just a straight-up good NBA player now. Over his last 11 games, and I'll get out of statistics soon, but stick with me here. Over his last 11 games, Gary Trent Jr. is averaging 14.6 points per game. He's shooting 52.7% from the floor, 47.9% from three on six and a half attempts a game. Savaging three made threes a game, the second most on the team, more than CJ McCollum over that same stretch. Trent doesn't do a lot else. 2.3 rebounds. Not even two assists. But he can really score in the league. And his emergence has helped the Blazers tremendously. But I think Gary Trent is, in many ways, unique in the way the Blazers sort of do this. They are very content to let guys like Gary Trent Jr. develop behind the scenes. They would have been more than happy to let Gary Trent Jr. burn the nets down at the practice facility in Tualatin and then roll him out next year in his third year in the league and say, look at this surprise we've been incubating in our little player development center. But that's not how the season went. He has to play. The plan was to play Anthony Simons ahead of him. It was to play Kent Bazemore ahead of him. It was to play Rodney Hood ahead of him. Damon CJ were supposed to soak up most of the minutes at guard, and they had a small group of guys who could play behind them. It wasn't supposed to include Gary Trent Jr. He was maybe going to go to the G League or, or just spend a lot of time coming to the arena at 4.30 to get in those regular game, regular developmental games that guys who don't play play with assistant coaches where they get a real sweat and get a real workout prior to the game. Gary Trent Jr. doesn't do that anymore. In fact, CJ McCollum told me that he told Gary this week to stop playing so much one-on-one at practice because he's going to need his legs for the fourth quarter. And quite frankly, Gary Trent Jr. deserves and should be playing big fourth quarter minutes. He has been as of late. He's a part of the plan and he's part of the closing plan. Tonight against the Miami Heat, he played big minutes down the stretch. Trent Jr. over the last 11 games, basically over the last, since they've kind of decided and by 
necessity and also by the way he's playing. He's playing 10 minutes a game in the fourth quarter. He had 22 against Miami. Hit some incredibly big shots. He was crucial down the stretch against the San Antonio Spurs. On Friday night, he had another really solid game in that just gut-wrenching loss in Utah. And I feel like that Utah game maybe was the best I've ever seen him play. That's what I was going to talk about here before he had 22. In that game, they put him on Donovan Mitchell. He was incredibly physical with Mitchell. At one point, he just ripped the ball straight out of his hands, Kawhi Leonard style. And the reason that Gary Trent Jr. is playing a lot more is, A, they need his shooting, desperately need his offense, need his floor spacing, need his confidence out there. But also because he was, they were really worried about his defense early in the year. Um, they were worried, they being the Blazers coaching staff, that he... He just wouldn't focus on defense. He'd fall asleep a little bit. He'd say, they'd say, you want to send this guy right? And he'd send him left. Just, just playbook stuff. He's locked into that playbook stuff. I think guarding Donovan Mitchell as aggressively as he did against the Jazz was as probably as well as I've seen him play on both ends of the floor. It ended with Donovan Mitchell kind of talking trash to Gary Trent Jr. and saying that he was... Um, you know, coming in there with coming into Utah with a real attitude, and he'd never done this and that in the league, and maybe he shouldn't he shouldn't be acting that way. So what Gary Trent Jr. do? Didn't say anything and had 22 the next night in a win against the Heat. He's an NBA player. I don't want to get too deep into what he can't do. What he can do is really help the Blazers. They have such a limited group of guys. That can really contribute. Um, as I alluded to at the top of the show, Mario Hazonia's hurt. He went down with an ankle injury. Uh, I would be very surprised if he plays against New Orleans on Tuesday. Nazir Little is still dealing with the ankle injury. Obviously, Hood and Collins and Nurk are out. They've sent Scal packing. Shipped him off to Atlanta. I mean, they've just depleted their bench. Not that any of those big guys are going to soak up uh, Gary Trent Jr.'s minutes, but in any case, they just have they just don't have a ton of bodies. And Trent can play next to Damon CJ. He can play a little bit of three. He's really developed into an aggressive defensive player. He picked up three early fouls in this game against the Heat. He had three fouls in three minutes in his first shift. And then came back in and settled down and played way better and was crucial down the stretch. Hit a crucial three-pointer against the Heat. Dude's an NBA player. I didn't see this coming. But he's incredibly valuable to what the Blazers are doing. And here's what I really liked about it. He plays with an undeniable flair and confidence. Um, some of it is just he's a shooter, and when he gets the ball, he wants to put it up. He is unafraid. Sees the basket, tries to put the ball in the basket. But the Blazers need that type of confidence in shot making. I asked Carmelo Anthony what it's like in his 17th season to watch a guy kind of flourish in year two. A guy who's put together now basically just two weeks of looking like a really valuable shooter. You shoot 45% from three, 48% from three over two weeks. Obviously a very small sample size, but proof that you're probably a good shooter in the league. So I asked Carmelo Anthony what it's like to at year 17 to see a guy in year two flourish, and he said, 
he really appreciates anyone playing well particularly on this team he's just happy to see guys play well but what he really appreciates is guys on the journey and that Gary Trent Jr. has helped Carmelo Anthony appreciate the journey of a guy who maybe didn't get a chance and then worked hard and figured it out and got his chance and seized it and said let's go I'm incredibly confident and I asked Carmelo where that confidence comes from and he said us the vets because they have stayed with Gary early in the season when he wasn't playing they stayed with him to say get your work in keep keep doing the things that NBA players do to to get their body and their mind ready to go and Carmelo said he told Gary a lot when he first arrived was just like it's a long season they might need you it's a long season stay with it and he did uh Damian Lord talks about Gary Trent Jr.'s just getting his body right in the summertime. He talks about just, he came back in lean. He had really low body fat. And he just looked like someone who was like really committed to being an NBA player. And then he still didn't get those opportunities early in the season, but he stayed he stayed with it and did things. Obviously, he's still at the practice facility playing one-on-one too much, losing his legs. Blazers need him in fourth quarters. In some ways, over the last week, he's been their second best guard on the team because CJ McCollum's shot has struggled a little bit. Gary Trent Jr. is an NBA player. That's something to be excited about. I feel like a lot of you listeners out there have uh, asked questions or, or tweeted at me or, or, or asked me, um, even if you're not someone who participates in the mailbag show, people I just talked to say, well, you know, what is there to be excited about the Blazers? Gary Trent Jr. is giving you that right now. Be excited. Enjoy this. This is a, a young player, and the Blazers prefer to develop these guys behind the scenes. This is a young player doing it right in front of you. So indulge in Gary Trent Jr. Enjoy it a little bit. This season has been a lot of suffering. This is one to celebrate. And really what Gary Trent Jr. has helped the Blazers find is some necessary balance. That's what I want to talk about in the second segment. The Blazers have found actual real-life balance with their limited roster. And it's really helped them. But before we get to that second segment, I want to tell you guys about Echelon. To get fit in 2020, you don't have to join a gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in the best shape of your life is with Echelon. So here's what you do. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their X1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high quality at home cycling experience at less than half the price of a Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone busy moms and dads, first responders, elite athletes, whatever your activity level. And with daily live and on demand studio classes right in your home, you'll never have to step foot in a gym. You'll love Echelon. If you, but if you aren't 100% satisfied, they'll give you your money back. Easy as that. Join the hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. Don't pay a ton for Peloton. Buy an Echelon bike today for under $1,000. Go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A to learn about their limited time offer of a free Apple iPad and complete details of this exclusive offer. That's Echelon. It's your time. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. Echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. 
All right, so Gary Trent Jr. is an NBA player. It's huge. That's incredibly important for the Blazers. His his confidence, his reliable scoring, um, just, just the balance he brings has been crucial. And balance is the word I want to talk about. It's what this whole segment is going to be about. The Blazers against the Heat on Sunday had six players score. Actually, let's rewind a bit. The Blazers against the Jazz on Friday had six players available, seven players available at the end of the game. Seven. That's not enough. That number got upped. Uh, Anthony Simons had a concussion. He had to leave the game. Son Whiteside missed that game. Uh, you start with nine. Uh, Trevor Reese got ejected. Um, it's it was they started with nine. They end the game with seven. Uh, incredibly brutal on Sunday night. They have a luxurious nine available guys. Just almost, almost a two five-man units to roll out there. Just a huge, huge number. But then Mario Hazonia in the second quarter got hurt. He sprained his ankle. Talk about that in the, the third segment. But what's important is they're back down to basically eight, eight available players. Two of those eight available players are Wenyan Gabriel and Caleb Swanigan. Those guys aren't going to give you much offensive punch. So really, they have six capable NBA scoring types. And all six of those dudes score in double figures. It has been a relatively rare occurrence that the Blazers have had six double-digit scores during the season. It's actually happened 11 times. Five of them happened to prior to Rodney Hood's injury on December 5th. December 6th, excuse me. So, early in the season, when Zach was healthy for two and a half games, when uh, Rodney Hood was available, when they had the full complement of guys, the Blazers had six games where they had guys, where they had at least six players scoring double figures. Not super common, but not super rare. Just a, a thing that happened every so often. They weren't, those games, a couple of them were, um, blowouts so it's not just like a uh they cleared the bench and they had guys come in and score off the bench they went three and three in those games then since Rodney Hood's injury in the first week of December the Blazers had two games in which six guys scored in double figures home against the Lakers when they got blown out and a horrific loss against Phoenix where the Blazers basically just gave the game away in the final eight minutes but since Trevor Reese's rival arrival at the end of January They've had three such games in his 12 outings in which they've had six guys scoring double figures. Now, this is kind of a random stat, kind of a really specific thing to hone in on, but only six guys scored on Sunday and all six of them scored in double figures, and the Blazers probably don't win the game without that, without that level of balance. And I feel... The other reason why I want to point this out, I feel why I feel it's important, is because Damian Lillard has been on such a tear over the last three weeks. He's playing at a level, and probably an energy level more than like an execution level, that it just isn't sustainable over a long period of time. Having this balance is a necessity, and having this specific, these six dudes, provide that balance beyond Dame, it's CJ, Mello, Ariza, Whiteside, Trent. That's it. Those are the guys who are capable of scoring, and those are the guys, if they're going to push to that level, they're going to need to be the ones that provide the balance for Dame, that provide so he can pick his spots. On 
Sunday night, he did not attempt a shot over the first five and a half minutes of the game. I thought that was significant. Some games this year, he's just said from from the jump, from get the get-go, he said, I'm going to go score because we're going to lose if I don't. On Sunday, he was able to be a little more patient because Trevor Ariza scored the Blazers' first eight points. Melo got going early. CJ hit. He didn't shoot very well, but he scored early. Dame ended up having a double-digit first quarter, but he could wait. Uh, and he had a double-digit first quarter because he hit his first three threes. That balance is so crucial to the Blazers, both because they just don't have many players and because they really need to help Dame. And Ariza has allowed them, offering them another NBA body, uh, Gary Trent Jr.'s development has allowed them with another NBA body to really have actual options to go score. CJ and Carmelo are just going to dance in one-on-one. You're going to see him do it. Uh, Hassan Whiteside's going to score his points mostly cleaning up miscues and, uh, you know, dunking home Aaron Alleyoops from Dame. <laughs> and... Gary Trent Jr. is going to bomb away from three. That's the only. That's basically the only ways they're going to score. And yet, three times over the last 12 games, after going six weeks with having two such games, they've had six dudes scoring double figures. All three of those games are wins. The Blazers' formula is still let Dame be the best player on the floor and the rest of you figure it out. But it's starting to feel like that the rest of you figure it out is there are five other capable players to, who can score on this team. Let's get them all between 12 and 17 points and give ourselves a chance. The Blazers showed their ability to balance and take some pressure off Dame against Miami. They also did it against the Spurs and then earlier in the week against the Houston Rockets in one of their best performances of the season. The Blazers at their best are more than Damian Lillard. And the emergence of Gary Trent Jr., the arrival of Trevor Ariza, the developing chemistry between Whiteside and Dame, and just the professional bucket getting of C.J. McCollum and Carmelo Anthony provide a little bit of balance. I'm not sure there's anyone else on the roster you can count on. It's these guys or nobody else. But over the last two weeks, three weeks, these guys have been good enough to help the Blazers. It's a step in the right direction. Progress is not always linear, certainly not for this team, but right now they're headed in the right direction because of this real balance. All right, third segment, close the show with some health updates. Blazers have injuries. I want to tell you what you need to know heading into the final two games before the All-Star break. All right, welcome back. Still Mike Richmond. Still locked on Blazers. I'm still a pass-first point guard, and I'm still giving you the news you need to know. We talked Gary Trent Jr., bona fide NBA player. We talked about the Blazers' balance. They suddenly, over the last 12 games, have found real scoring balance up and down the roster. Now, let's do some news. Injury updates. Amphrey Simons on Friday against the Utah Jazz suffered a concussion. He was ruled out basically immediately after that game. He went up for a jump shot and Royce O'Neal kind of stuck his leg out and caught Simons and knocked him to the floor and Simons hit his head really hard against the hardwood. 
really hard. Like it was very clearly from when you watch the replay that it was probably a concussive type fall. Uh, Blazers ruled him out pretty quickly. They said he has a concussion. Sometimes the teams will say he's in the concussion protocol and be safe, but they said he has a concussion. He's out. Uh, there was some question whether the, that play was dirty or not. It was awkward for sure. Um, I don't think it was malicious or dirty, but my opinion doesn't as matter as much as the Blazers' opinion, and everyone on the team seemed to be pretty mad at Royce O'Neal, like, immediately. Um, and every Simon's mom also tweeted that it was dirty. So the, the people involved with the franchise certainly think it was dirty, even if this one podcaster doesn't. Uh, Simon's traveled back with the team on the team plane on Friday evening. He went through a... Shooting, shooting routine workout, pregame workout on Sunday. Um, no word on his availability Tuesday, but I think him getting out on the floor Sunday is a step in the right direction. We will see. Uh, I, him playing even a little bit of basketball, I think bodes well for him appearing in one of the Blazers' final two games. They play Tuesday, Wednesday uh, before the All-Star break at New Orleans and then at Memphis. Some good news on the injury front. When I was right after uh, Terry Stotts' pregame media availability, one of the Blazers walked by, and it was notable that he walked by because it was Rodney Hood out of his walking boot, wearing sneakers, walking from the Blazers' locker room to the family room, about 150 feet, maybe less, uh, one turn down a hallway, uh, I went in the locker room after when they opened up to media about 30 minutes later, 25 minutes later. Uh, I went in there and talked to Rodney Hood about it. He is not out of the boot, out of the boot. It was still sitting in front of his locker. He has to wear that to walk around. Certainly when he's on the bench, you're going to see him in the boot. He said he won't be out until after the All-Star break, so probably another week before he's fully out of the boot. But then when I was chatting with him, he walked to the training room barefoot. So he's certainly doing stuff outside of the boot. He said his doctors are being um, particularly cautious. An Achilles injury is a brutal injury. It's a long road back. You do things slowly. But that's some good news. Rodney Hood walking around in sneakers, wearing two wearing two real shoes. Uh, that's that's good and real real positive news. It doesn't change the timeline at all. As soon as I tweeted that information out, someone said, does this mean he could be back earlier? It doesn't mean shit. It means that he's out of the boot. It's cool to see. It's cool to see someone suffering a severe injury take a step in the right direction. Sorry for swearing. Final injury news of the show. Mario Hazonia. One boot off, one boot on. Twisted his ankle. Came down awkwardly, at, like under the rim, going for a rebound uh, early in the second quarter on Sunday against the Heat. Stayed in the game very briefly. Like, it was very clear that he hurt his ankle on that play. He grabbed at his ankle. He was kind of limping. Stayed in the game very briefly and then left. And when he left, he went right back to the locker room and they ruled him out. He left the arena in a walking boot, a left ankle sprain in a walking boot. No update from Terry Stotts. He wasn't going to give one anyways. Hazonia basically walked by the media as we were walking in, um, made his move, made his move just slow enough that we saw him, but just quick enough that he didn't have to do any interviews. Um, That's probably bad news. Being ruled out right away is bad news. The walking boot is probably precautionary as much as anything, but it gives you an indication that the injury is at least something where they want to keep him off that foot. 
Speaking of ankles, man, the Blazers have a lot of injuries. I can't believe how full this segment is with just little nuggets of stuff. Nazir Little, who's missed the last two games with left ankle sprain, told me before the game that he is, and this is a big quote here, so get ready, hold on to the ones you love, feeling better. He did not play, he did not dress, but he is reportedly, as he told me, feeling better. So we'll see if he plays these final two games. Blazers could use him just because it could use the bodies, particularly if they don't have a Zonia. They need someone to play those minutes. Um, Wenyan Gabriel is certainly an option, um, but he's not a good basketball player just yet. Uh, Little is better. He understands the offense better. He understands his limitations better than Gabriel. Um, He's just a better basketball player right now. A shorter basketball player, less long basketball player, but a better one, no doubt about it. That is your Blazers injury news. It's kind of depressing how much news there was in this segment, y'all. But that is the state of the Blazers as they are. They are battered and beaten, but they're playing their best basketball of the season. Does that rhyme? Did I accidentally rhyme right there? Okay, I'm ending the show because I don't want to rhyme anymore. Thank you for listening. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it where they already get podcasts. Google, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, you name it. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.